Welcome to the Soto Mojo podcast number 12. Um, it's been a while since we've last gotten together, but uh, a lot of stuff's happened with the Mariners, and some good, some definitely not so good. Uh, we're going to start off today by talking about um, how the end of the first half went for the Mariners, and then we're going to get into some potential trades that the Mariners could could happen to make um, some point and break down how myself, Colby Patnode, and Riley Baker feel about each deal, and we'll go from there. So, guys, say hello. Hey, what's hey. up? All right, fellas. Um, so, the Mariners uh, had a nice stretch of games um, to, to finish the first half. Um, a nice 11-game stretch against the Phillies, the Angels, the Royals, and the Athletics that everybody felt like would go really well for us and would set us up really nicely for the second half of the season, hopefully be like four or five games over, and we could just, you know, kind of roll some momentum. But, um, no, that didn't happen, and we are four games under at the break. And, you know, what did you see during that time? How are you feeling, et cetera? Colby, you can hit this first, Riley, and then I'll add anything that I feel like I should. Yeah, the... Uh the disappointing part of that was uh, the offense really struggled over those 11 games. Um, there was a few times where the pitching staff blew it, but you kind of expect that with this pitching staff. So, uh, you know, mostly over the last 11 games, the offense has been pretty mediocre. I mean, I think we're averaging like three and a half runs per game. Uh, again, Like you said, against some pretty, you know, iffy pitching staff. So, you know, it's disappointing when the strength of your team slumps at a time when you absolutely can't have it happen. But, you know, it just it's a bummer, you know. Um, you know, Hanniger's been slumping a little bit. Gamble's come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, you know, Cruz and Cano are really uh, hampered by their injuries right now. Um, you know, and Zanino's definitely falling back down to earth. Right now it's pretty much, you know, the Gene Segura show. And uh, as fun as that is to watch, it's a lot more fun to watch wins. So, uh, yeah, you know, it just... If I had to put blame on this little this little slump the Mariners are in, it goes to the offense. I mean, the bullpen has been okay. Like, you're not going to be more than okay with your bullpen and pitching staff this year. It's just it's not going to happen. So, uh, you really need your offense to step up and score, you know, four or five runs. I don't know, five times a week if you want to have a shot to get yeah. back in this. So, you know, it's disappointing that the offense is slumping, but maybe also a little encouraging because we know the offense. Won't stay down for that long. True. Yeah, I'm on board with you. It was kind of the offense just kind of faltering. The pitching staff basically performed how they've performed all year. No no big surprises. And, yeah, just when the offense didn't score enough runs, obviously we lost. Um, the Royals getting swept by them pretty much killed that whole road trip, I think. Yeah. We could have we could have won two of those games and gone five hundred on the road trip. So it was just a rough a rough way to lose or to finish the first half. Um, I think that's really all you could say at this point. It's true. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, especially just watching the team um, just really struggle to play. Um, and it just, you know, they left guys on base. They didn't get guys on base. They, they as a team, um, they as a team are hitting currently. They currently, as a team, have an OPS of seven fifty, and that's that's a little tough. Uh, and so, you know, just to watch watch the guys, you know, not put runs on the board. Um, starting with the last two games of the Houston series, we've scored two, 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 four, ten, zero, five, one, three, six, four, seven, three, four. But that the six was a loss, and it just kind of, you know, really makes you feel like, you know, I don't know. It just, it just, it's hard to, you know, look back on those, you know, few games, especially after 
you know, the nice six-game winning streak and being two games over and, you know, really just, like, happy feelings in everybody's stomachs. You know, like, we're, we're all good, everything's great. And then to have two four-game losing streaks, um, you know, sandwiched in with the before the Los Angeles series and after the Los Angeles series. Um, I don't know. Uh, really quick, before we move on to the trades, what did you guys, well, before we go on to the projection for the rest of the season, did you guys... Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it was a nice sign to see uh, Felix come back on um, Sunday. I mean, not come back, but to pitch again and, and really um, throw well like you really look to have. I mean, it's definitely his best outing of this season, um, especially after the injury. But um, he kind of looked like he had better stuff. Um, Colby, you kind of, you know, seem to take to Twitter a lot when Felix pitches. And um, <laughs> you, you, give, you give your opinion. So what do you, how do you feel about Sunday? Uh, Sunday was encouraging. It was his best start of the year, uh, minus the, I think, seven and two-thirds outing he had against Texas in the home opener. But, uh, you know, it was really encouraging. He used his off-speed stuff more and earlier. Um, he didn't really throw too many two-seam fastballs which uh, or sinkers, which seems to be the pitch that is giving him troubles right now. Uh, he stuck mostly with the four-seamer, worked it around the strike zone. Um, it was basically what you know, I think myself and certainly the Seattle Mariners have been asking him, hey, we need you to pitch up more. We need you to pitch differently than you have been. And it certainly looked like he did for at least one game. He kind of, you know, he gave it a shot and it worked really well. Um, you know, the, the thing that's driving me nuts about any kind of like Felix mention is they always talk about his fastball velocity and Guys, that couldn't matter less. You can throw 85 <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You have to locate your. You have to locate your True. fastball. And when you listen to these guys, on like I love uh, the Brock and Salk show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's fantastic. But every time I hear Brock Heward talk about how Felix had great command because he didn't walk anybody, I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> that's not what that's not what command is. That's what control is. Control is throwing <laughs> strikes. Command is throwing quality strikes. And Felix walked three guys. I thought he had the best command he's had all season. Agreed. He was able to put his fastball anywhere he wanted. He threw the curveball well. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I want to see this over three or four more starts. But, yeah, you know, the fastball was good. He was able to locate it. And then he still has, I mean, disgusting off-speed stuff. So he can pitch, and he can live at 90 miles an hour. He just has to be willing to change and locate it. And hopefully Sunday was the first of, you know, five or six straight starts where he actually, you know, pitches like he can and he succeeds because that would be a huge help to the Mariners. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I like to see, um, I like to see, you know, the kind of, <clears throat> the Felix that we saw on Sunday, like that's the Felix we're going to have to live with for the duration. I mean, hopefully for the duration of, you know, his career, like he's just, he's never going to be, you know, even 2014 Felix, I guess. Um, that's just not how he pitches anymore just because of the way that, you know, his injuries have gone and stuff like that. And so if he can figure out how to make, you know, Sunday Felix work, you know, that's, that is a, very good pitcher. I mean, like, like he doesn't have to pitch that well every day, but just, you know, if he can work with that stuff and, you know, use that command and, you know, just, you know, thrive even at a lower velocity, you know, he'll, he'll be fine. And so, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic, but hopeful that that's, um, that's a sign of things to come. Yeah. As he kind of is aging, he's still always going to be Felix. He's always going to be that competitor with the, you know, Colby said the absolutely disgusting off-speed stuff. Mm -hmm. That's a good way of putting that. I mean, as we all know, we, he hasn't had that, you know, good 95 fastball for like 10 years or whatever. That went away a while ago. But he yeah. doesn't need that. As long as he can, you know, command his pitches, throw quality strikes, as he kind of did in his last start, hopefully... <laughs> I feel like we've been saying this the past two years. Hopefully this is like a sign of him kind of figuring himself out as he's getting older in his career. And I know we've said that before. So, you know, still cautiously optimistic, like Colby said. But uh, we 
it's just been a while since we've seen good quality Felix, and it's kind of depressing. <laughs> I can't true. remember the last time we saw it two times in a row. I mean, Mm-mm. basically for the last two years, it's been, oh, there's Felix, there he is, and then the next outing he'll go six innings and give up four runs, and then you have half of the half of Seattle Twitter going, this guy's a bum, and the, yeah. other, mm-hmm. the other half saying, he can do whatever he wants, he can give up 18 runs, and I would still support him. Both of yeah. those are stupid arguments, by the way. <laughs> it's true. Absolutely moronic, but... Uh, you know, like I think a good comp for him, or what you hope he can be, is Zach Cranky, who is a guy who used to throw 96, mm-hmm. 97. Um, now he's sitting at 91, and he's still one of the better pitchers in the National League. Um, you know, like I said, Felix has good enough stuff. He can pitch at 90 and be just fine. You don't need Felix to go back to 2014, but can you have him be like 2015 Felix, the first half of 2015 where he was a low three ERA guy who's striking out, I don't know, eight guys every nine innings. That's all you need. You need a number two. Um, you know, and you back up Felix's last start with a couple really encouraging starts from Paxton. Looks like he's starting to figure things out. If Felix and Paxton can do what they've done in their last starts for the rest of the second half, then Seattle's got a one-two punch that's right up there with basically everybody except for Houston. So, uh... True. You know, yeah. hope, like I said, I think it's I think it's fine to be excited. Uh, I'm going to need to see this at least three or four more times over his next five starts or so before I get super pumped. But uh, man, there's nothing that could help the Mariners more than a good Felix Hernandez. Yeah, and I just I just kind of thought of this like it's got to be kind of a mental thing for Felix, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he still has his good pitches, just the command's not there, and I almost wonder. If it's just because he always has been this fired-up guy, he still wants to be that type of pitcher, even though maybe physically he can't anymore. And I wonder if maybe that's kind of a barrier he needs to get over mentally to kind of be able to progress as he's aging. It could be, but, I mean, 2014 Felix might have been the best Felix ever was, and he was throwing 92. You know, it wasn't... uh, He was certainly locating better, but... uh, I know, I think a lot of that, I do agree that it's mental, though, because this guy has basically been able to just go out onto the mound, throw whatever pitch wherever he wants it for his entire career, and now all of a sudden he can't do that. So, I mean, there's definitely some doubt that creeps into your mind. Um, You know, Felix isn't necessarily ever been described as the hardest worker. Uh, You know, he used to joke that he doesn't even look at scouting reports because he didn't need to. I'm just going to go up there, I'm going to throw whatever I want to throw, and it's going to work. So, uh, you know, hopefully this is the start of a transition, but I do think you're right. It could be a little bit of a mentality thing where he finally has to accept that, you know, I'm not who I was, so I have to change. So uh, if it is a mental, if it is just a mental thing instead of a mechanical thing or injury, that would be fantastic Um, because, well, you would hope that Felix would then embrace it and uh, the Mariners could have their ace back. And the thing about Felix is Felix you know, notoriously um, really leans heavy on his changeup. I mean, that's just kind of like, that's been his out pitch. I mean, you know, his overpowering fastball was great, but then he would, you know, rely on that changeup to really just nastily strike people out and stuff like that. And so I think we can we can say with pretty solid confidence that, you know, Felix Felix knows how to locate pitches, but if he can, you know, locate, you know, if he can... If he can return to that, you know, finesse kind of, you know, pitching here and try and, you know, get those pitches to work a little better for him, um, you know, that could be good for the Mariners. I mean, yeah. It would be good for the Mariners, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, anyway, but then, so after that, building into the second half of the season, how do you feel like, how do you feel like it could go, will go, etc.? Um, well, at some point you are what your record says you are. And right now the Mariners certainly don't look like a team that's four games below 500. When you look at them on paper, you look at the offense, it doesn't seem possible that that team would be four games under 500, but they are. Um, you know, and I know they've dealt with injuries for most of the first half, but, uh, you know, I, what do I expect for the second half? I... 
more of the same unless there's some drastic changes that happen. Uh, you know, what am I hoping happens? Well, personally, I would like to see them sell, be sellers at the deadline. But uh, that's, I mean, that seems like that's impossible. It's not going to happen. But, uh, you know, so uh, if they're not going to sell, I really hope that they go out there and they try to improve this team because right now, believe it or not, they're still in it. They're only four games back of the second wild card. There's six teams in front of them, but if you look at the six teams, Seattle's just as good as all of those teams. So, True. I mean, I I just hope, I think 85 wins is what's going to get you into the playoffs this year, um, which is great for the Mariners, but it does mean that they have to go, they've played 90, I think they have to go 42 and, uh, 42 and 30 to make the playoffs is what I'm thinking. Can they do it? Yeah, they can. Will they? I, I'm doubtful, but I really hope they do because, uh, you know, 16 years without playoff baseball is just, it's way too long. So, Creed. Yeah. Uh, in, in like, the Mariners' defense, they are currently, they're currently 41 and 45. Is that their record right now? Uh, What's they no, They're 43 and 47. 43 and 47. Yeah. 43 and 47. Okay, so they started the season in 2 and 8. So since then, they've played 41 and 39. Yeah, 41 and 39. So I guess it's one of those where it's like, um, like when we were two games, my dad and I were talking about it when we were two games over. That was why that, you know, the point was so good. But like, you know, since, since that point, we'd been, you know, playing on a much better clip. And so I think the key with this Mariners team that is has proven to be very streaky is if they can make their win streaks longer and their losing streaks shorter, uh, which, you know, obviously is key for every team, but especially for this Mariners team that feels like, you know, can win 10 straight and then lose 10 straight. And, you know, this team's a really like, it seems like they're a really mental team. Like they, when they're winning, they're winning and they get in the zone and then they just kind of keep it up and keep it up and keep it up. And when they're losing, they're losing, and it's hard to pull them out of it. And so it feels like if the Mariners can just string together a couple wins out of the break and just kind of keep rolling with the good Felix start to end the first half and just kind of, you know, just, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know. Just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. But I think I, I do agree with you ultimately, Colby, that it would be kind of cool to see the Mariners, you know, try and sell off some of their guys and start working with some new stuff. And, um, like, I'm, you know, I'm going to some games in August, and I would really love to see some of those, you know, you know Dan Vogelback and um, uh, Tyler O'Neill and stuff like that. Like, those guys, like, you know, playing, you know, in Nelson Cruz's stead and, you know, other guys like that. And, you know, just just try and see the Mariners work in a low pressure, like low win pressure environment, um, where it's like you know we're gonna lose games and it's gonna happen, but at least we can start getting the, you know, getting guys reps. And I think that's the key with Vogelback, especially like you know he just got second in the AAA home run derby last night, and you know there's no doubt the guy can. Uh, there's no doubt the guy can play in AAA, so might as well give him some, you know, low-pressure major league at-bats when games aren't on the line, and even if they are on the line, uh, it doesn't matter what happens because the Mariners are resigned to the fact that, you know, the season is just, you know, we're going to take this season as a loss and start working towards, you know, the future, and if you can give Vogel back some time to work on major league hitting, um, you know, I could, you could be a stud, and so, you know, I mean, I'm, that's, that's a big can, but, you know, you might as well, and I think... I think you were the one that tweeted that the Mariners team, even without, you know, Cruz and Seager, still has a massive fun factor with guys like Heredia and Gamble and Segura and stuff like that. And that's true. Like, that team, like, they're not an irrelevant team, even when you sell some big pieces. You just, you know, you might as well just start working for something different than what we've been trying to work for for the last, you know, five, seven years or something like that. Yeah. Riley. As, I mean, this team's basically a 500 team right now. Yeah, I think we can all kind of agree. Like, technically, they are kind of still in it because with the second wild card, if you're around 500, you feel like you still have a chance if you kind of go on a nice run at the end of the season. But really, 
only one team's going to get that second wild card spot, obviously. So if you don't really sell, you're kind of gambling four or five years down the line just on a chance of making the playoffs. And even if you do, I mean, exactly, this team isn't going to go much further than yep. that. This and it's team. hard because we obviously want them to make the playoffs. Like Colby said, it's been 16 years. It's so hard. We, like, I'm 22 years old. I don't consciously remember the Mariners ever being in the playoffs. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> we all want to see it. But it's just, it's just a hard spot to be in. From a business sense, you know, on paper, sell everyone. Emotionally, go for it. It's, yeah. It's weird, but I think no. yeah, I think you kind. Of, I think what Jerry Depoto kind of has alluded to wanting to do works. I think it's okay, kind of like maybe selling Valencia, Dyson, kind of the who would be free agents at the end of the year. I get that because maybe they can make a run in 2018 if everyone can stay healthy. But you don't really want to just see the little ding. Half sell. It's either like go for it or go for an all out sellout. In yep. my opinion, you can't just kind of go halfway because like, that's when you last get year stuck when we... in a rut. Yeah, last year is a good example of going halfway. Yep. Yeah, and we like yeah. we pawned off Mark Lowe and a couple other randoms that you know, like yeah, we got some like yeah little return here and there, but like ultimately at the end of the day, our team really doesn't look much different, and mm-hmm. neither does the farm system, and so just kind of like. So you just traded good players for, you know, not much and didn't change the real dynamic of the team and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, last year they traded Mike Montgomery, who is a guy that really could have helped them down True. the stretch, for Daniel Vogelback, who is, you know, didn't help them at all and hasn't taken a job from Danny Valencia yet. So, I mean, nope. that one that one was a head scratch. I liked it because I thought it was going to be the start of selling. Yeah, I was fine right. with that. And then they go and they flip Wade Miley for Miranda, and that one that one's worked out. Gangbusters. That one worked out great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but still, it was kind of like that's not. I I just I didn't know quite if they were buying or selling last year. Exactly. And, you know that, that I don't want to be sitting on the fence. I'm tired of that. But it does kind of feel like Jerry Depoto is in this idea where. Jerry Depoto's perfect world in a bad year under his regime, the Mariners would still win 78 games. True. And in a good year, they would win 88, you know? Yeah. And he just, he wants to be in it so that he can be in all the conversations and not have to have the market dictated to him. But at some point, you just got to say, you know, hey, look, either I'm in or I'm out. The Mariners don't have a great farm system. It's gotten better, but it's still not great. Um so, you know, it's really hard to be all in on these guys that other teams are talking about. Like, I would love for the Mariners to go get Quintana. They can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have a chance. The best thing about the Mariners trade, if they wanted to buy right now, is that they've told teams that they're willing to take on salary. Exactly. Which is something that yep. most teams have said no to. So that's your best chip. And then your prob- your best trade chip as a prospect is probably Tyler O'Neill. And yep. he's he's been slumping, so I, it's hard for me to see why this team. I, well, I just, go ahead. well, O'Neill has slumped, but he's come back. You know, in in, yeah, in, yeah, six, yeah. in his last you know fifteen games or so. That said, I'm not advocating we should trade Tyler O'Neill because I do not think that's the case. I why would we trade? You know, likely. You know, I mean, I don't know how everybody else feels, but but definitely one of our top prospects. Um, who seems like he's progressing, you know, he's yeah. 21, you know, don't, don't deal him. Um, especially in a situation where, you know, the return for him is probably going to be a pitcher who's going to be up for free agency, if not this year, next year. And it's not worth mortgaging your future for a rental. Right. Especially now when you're, if you were five exactly. or six games over 500, yeah. no, if, yeah. if we're yeah. talking about a win, a complete win now situation, maybe, but this is not a win now situation for the Mariners because even if this team could sneak into the playoffs, there's just not a lot they're going to do, especially in a thing with the Astros, like in a series against the Astros, the Astros are just going to overpower you. And then maybe the Yankees might overpower you and stuff like that. And it's just, it's just one of those where as badly as we'd like to see Seattle make the playoffs, you hope they could do it with the team they have currently and then can work towards 
actually making serious noise, you know, in a few years when some of these guys are really, really ready. And so, yeah. I mean, that could change over the next, you know, if the Mariners have, I think, I think they'll have 16 games before the All-Star break. If the Mariners are sitting on July 31st and they've won, you know, 10, they've won 12 of their last 15. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you're sitting six, eight seven, over. eight games yeah. over. Then yeah. you're sitting there going, okay, let's, let's see what we can get involved in here. Uh, you know, ultimately I trust Jerry DePoto. I really like him. I think he's a smart guy. I just, I wish that he would either cannonball in here or just get out of the pool completely. Yeah. And for real. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So let's move on to potential trades the Mariners could make um, that Colby has come up with and we've thought about a little bit. And we'll call this deal or no deal. And Colby, you want to hit us with your first one? Um, let's just start off by saying these are all selling moves. Yes. Uh, none of these are buying, uh, clearly. Uh, but also none of these are really selling anybody who is controlled. This doesn't list doesn't include Edmund Diaz, who I think they should absolutely listen on. Doesn't include, you know, James Paxson, who, yeah, they should listen on. I'm sorry if that upsets you, but they should definitely listen <laughs> on James Paxson. These guys who you would normally say, yeah, if the team was selling, these are guys who would probably, you know, they would probably do this. And if... You know, if we have another pod, I'm hoping we have another podcast before the trade deadline where we will talk about buying deals like the Mariners yes. try to buy. So we'll get to that side. We're not just going to ignore the buying side because there is some merit to it. So, anyways, the first deal I want to talk about is going to be a painful one for Mariners fans. But uh, <laughs> your best trade ship right now is probably Nelson Cruz. Um, Nelson Cruz is a All Star DH. The Minnesota Twins have the worst production of their DHs uh, by far in the American League. So uh, my initial trade offer here is Nelson Cruz to the Minnesota Twins for left-handed pitcher Steven Gonzalez and Zach Granitz, who's an outfielder in their system. Guys, what do you think? Deal or no deal? Uh, I like this one. I thought, yep. I thought, how did you pronounce his name, Steven? I think it's, I think it's Gonzalez. That's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, I like I like him. I think he has a lot of potential. He's number two prospect in the Twins, top thirty, number nine left-handed pitcher, number seventy-seven in the top one hundred. Um, this team needs more. Need, they need to rebuild the pitching depth in their farm system, and yeah. I think that would be a good way to do it. Zach Granite, eh, like he's he's good. He's a good player. I don't know if we really need to stock up on outfielders necessarily. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're going to throw someone else in, Gonsalves is the guy that you're getting back if you were to do right. this trade. So, Granite would just be the, like, the other guy. You could always have someone else. Right. So, Paul, I like the trade. Real fast before we get to uh, before we get to Will here on this, I just wanted to point out that uh, Gonsalves is, uh, you know, he's a fastball changeup guy right now. He's working on a curveball. Uh, he, should be, he could be up this year. But uh, more than likely, he'll make his debut next year, which is a common theme with most of the prospects I'm proposing here. Yep. And, uh, you know, if you guys want to check out his numbers, you can go to MILB.com. Uh, yep. I personally like the Major League Baseball Prospect Watch. Uh, you know, that's my favorite website. Also, Baseball America recently came out with their top 100. So there's a lot of places you can look these guys up. And just real fast on Zach Granite, the reason I included him in this is – you know he is a very, he's a fast runner, which we know Depoto likes. He has 18 steals this year across uh, high A ball and Triple A, and uh, he also has 22 walks, 27 strikeouts. So the guy gets on base and he can he that's, run. That's so, Depoto's Depoto's yeah. trademark. So that's kind of why I threw him in there. But anyways, Will, go ahead. What do you think? Deal or no? Yeah, deal? I, I would definitely. I think I would definitely deal. Um, I'm you know just especially over the last couple of weeks, like. You know, as hard as it is to acknowledge the Mariners need to sell at four game, only four games under. You know, I mean, if we're four games under most seasons, you probably feel pretty optimistic. You know, it's just like it's just you know the way this season's gone, etc. Four games is not bad, but you know we do need to sell. Uh, in my opinion, you sell and Cruz is definitely who we're going to get stuff for. And Gonzalez, oh goodness, he's he's been a monster. Last year in twenty four games, he had a two point oh one ERA. This year, um, or no, last year, sorry, 2015, 24 games, he had a 2.01 ERA. Last year in 24 games, he had a 2.06 ERA. 
And this year, he has a 2.95 ERA over 10 games. Um, and then, granted, uh, he hit 360 um, in 60 games at AAA. He just did make his Major League debut um, on July 8th uh, against Baltimore. He went over one uh, and then went over three with a run scored on uh, the ninth. Um, so he's, you know, he is major league ready in a sense. Uh, I mean, like, like he's, he's gotten his call, you know, whatever. Um, but it kind of feels to me like if we traded, if we were, you know, to trade Cruz for a stud pitcher and Granite, we could probably deal Granite elsewhere. Um, because it, I mean, 360 batting average in AAA, you know, obviously it's pitching. As we know, because you can hit AAA pitch doesn't mean you can hit major league pitching. But that said, um, if you're posting, you know, gaudy numbers like Grant did AAA, you know, Depoto could definitely use him as a piece in another deal to get somebody else. And, you know, I mean, I think the key here is the Mariners adapt early and finagle it in different ways, get better pieces for 2018. And I think this is a move that could definitely help them do that. All right. So, so far we got two deals. Uh, the next deal we're going to talk about involves Nick Vincent who uh, I want to preface this by saying that I wrote an article about trading Nick Vincent back in May, I want to say. And I think I severely underestimated the value of Nick Vincent yeah. at that time. Yeah. Uh, he, he is a very good relief pitcher who has three years left of club control. Uh, he's a lot better than Mariner fans think, and that's just because there's nothing special about him. But uh, at the end of the day, his numbers are fantastic. He's got club control. Uh, he's still cheap. And, you know, the deal I kind of look back at from last season as an outline here is Will Smith, who was a very nice left-handed pitcher uh, for Milwaukee. He was traded to the uh, to the Giants, and in exchange they got Phil Bickford and Andrew Susak. Bickford, Bickford is a top 100-level prospect. Uh, he's got some personal issues right now, but uh, he's still he's a really solid starting. He's going to be a number three pitcher if he can keep his head on straight. And Susak is a solid, you know, he's a solid prospect himself. So, uh, you know, if that's the type of value that Vincent has, I think Mariners should definitely sell or try to sell him. But uh, in terms of the, I came up with two for Nick Vincent. Uh, so right now we'll start with Nick Vincent to the Tampa Bay Rays, who are in desperate need of a bullpen arm for uh, AAA first baseman Jake Bowers. Uh, Riley, you want to start? Yeah, I mean, again, kind of another Jerry Depoto type guy. I think he. I think I looked up. He had 11 stolen bases in 80 games with AAA Durham so far this year, on base of 364. So he kind of fits another outfielder, um, middle range top prospect. I feel. Well, actually, no. He was number four in the Rays top 30. So he's pretty. He's a pretty, um, pretty good prospect, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I like you said, Vincent could get a lot back more than people could expect so i think that i think that's about in the range talent wise of the return you could get for nick vincent and i i don't know i almost think you might be able to get maybe even a little more than just Mm -hmm. like one guy Mm -hmm. so i don't know i wouldn't i wouldn't be upset if he made a trade like this i wouldn't you know throw a fit or anything but maybe i would say no to this deal and think maybe he could find a little bit a little bit better i'm i'm gonna agree with riley on this one i'm i'd say no deal uh just because uh bowers has yet to post a minor league season uh hitting above 300 at any level uh his best season was uh in the hold on with or he hit he played for uh, the Fort Wayne and a full season A and hit 296. But then his other years, 282, 276, 267, 272, 274, 268. Um, and just, he, he's, you know, working his way up the ladder, but he's not really, you know, excelling. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying the Bears couldn't use a 270 first season, but I, I do, I feel like you could get a lot for Vincent in some games this year, has a 2.02 ERA. Um, and that's that's still. I'm not saying you know you're gonna get a ton for him, but it feels like it's not too much to ask for a guy who you know can hit 300 on occasion and stuff like that. Right. Uh, just to my opinion, I've been a Bowers for a while, so it's just surprising that I threw him on this list. But uh, you know, the, the thing about Bowers is that I really do think he's very to Dan Bobobak. He's going to get doubles and he will home runs. Got doubles power, not home run power. Um, although Bobobak has grown into some of the home power, 
which is nice to see. But, uh, you know, the other steals, he's not fast. That's the thing, is that he's not super quick. He's a really smart base runner, uh, which is also something else. Um, but, uh, you know, the way I look at it, I see him as the, uh, the first baseman until Adam White is back. I don't see him as an outfielder. Uh, you see him at first base in this scenario. You've already traded so who is out of DH, so now you put Daniel Vogel back there at DH. Maybe Tuna, whatever. But also, you can uh, Drew Bowers on this list. The guy had 73 walks, 80 strikeouts. Uh, you know, a career 360 on base percentage in my bowl. Jerry DePoto certainly uh, loves to look at for uh, his prospects. So uh, we'll leave it at that. So far, the yes to the Gonzalez, to the uh, Cruz deal, and we have a no to the Vincent from Bowers. But, well, just to clarify, Riley would be upset if it happened. Is this a deal you have low in part of, or is this, well, if, um, if it happened, you'd be, eh. If it happened, I would just kind of be like, no, it is. You know, I think there's something you said for trading for skill. Like, like there's two ways to value a trade, and one is, you know, just based on the stat like you're getting in your buy return. Uh, and then also in how you know ready they are and how they've progressed and the way um, the way that Bauer's career has gone you know he's climbed the ladder and he's continued to be consistently you know down to eighty at every level and you know that's not to say it would automatically translate to majors like that but you know, he, he's shown that he can adjust and be a serviceable player and you know if the Mariners can put him at first base you know more power to him I mean, it's just one of those where it's like if it happens it happens. I'd love to see them, you know, leverage Vincent the best way they possibly can, and I don't know if this trade is necessarily that, but at the same time, yeah, I don't think I'd actually be that upset if it happens. I trust the photo at this point, and if he pulled back, I know what happens. Awesome. All right, so let's move on to deal number three. Uh, Nick Vincent, once again, being traded to another team that needs bullpen help, the Milwaukee Brewers, who are a bit of a surprise this year. Uh, Nick Vincent to the Milwaukee Brewers for outfielder Trent Clark. Um... Riley, you want to go ahead and take this one? Yeah. Um, I mean, the first thing I noticed when I pulled up his player page was the 23 stolen bases. Mm-hmm. So I like I like guys that are fast and can steal bases. I know that's kind of Jerry's thing. Um, kind of kind of the opposite of Jake Bowers, though, where he, this guy, um, this is first year. He's in advanced A-ball. He's... Hitting 244 right now, so not not great. But I mean, or sorry, this isn't his first year. This is for this is first year in advance A. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, he hasn't really shown a lot of consistency like Bowers has to the minors. Um, so it, he's just a different player. Right. I like him. I like him, but I think he has more upside necessarily. Like yeah. he doesn't have he doesn't have as high of a floor or right. what am I trying to say? He has higher ceiling, lower floor. Yeah, higher ceiling, low floor. Yeah. Whereas with Bowers, you kind of know what you're getting. Right. But yeah. I, as far as the whole trade goes, I think I'm kind of in the same boat. Where I personally, I kind of want to see them stack up on pitching right. if they're going to sell. So again, I'm kind of, it's kind of the same thing. Like I wouldn't be completely taken aback if he pulled this trade. But I kind of think he could get other players. Right. Uh, well, before you go here, I, when I was sitting down looking at these trades, I want to mention that uh, there was another Brewers prospect that caught my eye. Um, his name is Brett Phillips. He's a uh, outfielder, um, AAA. He's going to be in the big leagues this year. Uh, he actually has played a little bit in the big leagues this year. Uh, he's 293, 358, 582 slugging in, uh, in AAA ball with 17 home runs and five steals. Uh, the reason I went with Clark over... And by the way, uh, Phillips is a, an excellent defensive outfielder uh, with a cannon for an arm, so that is something to keep in mind. Um, the reason I went with Tr- Clark over Phillips is, I think, because of the proximity to the major leagues. Clark is obviously further away. Um, you know, I just felt like Clark also, you didn't mention it, but uh, his, again, his walk-to-strikeout ratio is very, very nice, 67 to 90. Strikeout's a little high, but the walks are really high, too. So I just kind of felt like, uh, you know, I could flip-flop either one of those guys if Phillips is the guy who interests you more. But, uh, yeah, you know, Clark is just kind of the guy who uh, just seemed to fit DePoto a little bit better. But anyways, Will, go ahead. Um, I think while I'm not, like, you know, the biggest fan of this deal, just kind of the same as last time, I think I'm honestly almost a little more in favor of this one than the last one, solely on the fact that, you know, he's still in advanced A. And I like, I like, I like proven players a lot, and... You know, I really, you know, I don't want to sound crazy when I say that I'd rather have an unproven guy than a proven guy because that's not the case. But, you know, an unproven guy who hit, you know, 310 uh, in rookie, 
rookie levels uh, his first season, um, then uh, digressed, I guess, or regressed back to 231 his second year, and then is hitting 245 this year. Like, while that's not phenomenal, like, I'm, I'm willing to work with this guy and... You know, if you give him some time in the Mariners system working with, you know, guys that have helped, um, you know, you know, Tyler O'Neill along and, you know, Vogel back at AAA this year and stuff like that. Like, obviously, he's not AAA right now. But, like, you know, if you just if you give him some time to just mature, like this guy, maybe, you know, could be something. And so I think I would probably still say no deal to this one. But at the same time, I think I'd be more OK with it than the last one, I guess. All right, so let's move on to deal number four here. Uh, running up against the clock, so I'll shut up and let you guys talk. Uh, Ger- <laughs> Gerard Dyson, fan favorite, who will be a free agent after this season, uh, to the St. Louis Cardinals for minor league pitchers Zach Gallen and Connor Jones. Uh, Riley, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I would I would do this trade. A um, couple right-handed pitchers. Um, Zach Galen is in Springfield AA, so he's kind of – He's getting up there. I think he had a short stint in AAA, actually. So yep. he's kind of working his way. He's almost major league ready. Uh, he's the number 23 prospect in the Cardinals' top 30. Connor Jones is number 21. So they're not super high prospects, but they're good. And I think it's I think it's um, I think it's a good amount of talent to get for someone like Gerard Dyson, who's an aging speed guy, and you know who knows how they're gonna age. And we don't have him for next year, so I think trading a rental guy to get these two is it would be a pretty good deal. Um, yeah, I like it. Well, I'm yeah, I'm definitely going to agree with Riley on this one. We signed Gerard Dyson to a one-year deal um, to be our you know fourth outfielder kind of guy, and he's played fantastic defense for us. And he broke up Justin Verlander's perfect game, and um, you know he's done a lot of really good stuff for us. Uh, but you know if we can deal him to somebody else who could use that speedy fourth outfielder and get you know a solid pitcher like Zach Gallon and another player like Connor Jones in return, you know. I don't see where we go wrong with that, so I definitely pull the trigger on that one. Yeah, uh, Gallon is a eight Ks per nine guy who's only walked twenty hitters in a hundred innings this year. Just something to keep in mind. Uh, Danny, final, number five, we have Danny Valencia to Arizona for relief pitcher and uh, AAA Jimmy Scherfe. I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, Riley, what do you think? Yes, when I was actually looking at him, I really liked watching him pitch actually when i was watching some video he has just kind of a really sound delivery mm-hmm. and he just kind of he kind of finishes in an old school style where he finishes facing the facing home plate with both his feet on the ground kind of like what jamie moyer did um and he kind of reminded me of him just in a way because he doesn't have or like he has really good control but he has like you know polar opposite he's a super good fastball whereas jamie moyer didn't <laughs> so he has like High 90s fastball. He has a really good slider. He's kind of working on a changeup. He's in AAA, so he's he's nearly major league ready. And you can always use bullpen help. Always. Especially with a team like this. I think he's got 12 saves in 29 games, a 139 ERA, 32.1 innings pitched. And then 41 strikeouts to three walks is unreal. I know it's AAA. But yeah, it's phenomenal. This dude looks like a stud to me. I would absolutely pull that, pull the trigger on that trade. Will? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. When you just say 1.39 ERA, 0.74 WHIP, batting average against of 1.86, 41 strikeouts to three walks, um, I think that happened. I would definitely love to see that. Um, yeah, Valencia, you know, he can just play well for the next. 15 games and elevate that trade stock as high as he can so the Mariners can make a trade like that possible um yeah let's let's do that and just to add real quick he was number 13 in Arizona's prospect list and I was I think he should be higher but the only thing holding him back is just because he's already a reliever I think right but he has a lot of upside he's 25 so I mean he's not He's not super young, and uh, you know right. the three walks is great, but there are a lot of scouts who say they worry if he can, you know, throw his fastball for strikes consistently. A lot like Edwin Diaz, honestly. Um, 
Yeah. So, I... I like it, yes. Right. And, <laughs> and just to kind of put a bow on that, for people wondering why the heck, you know, the Paul Goldschmidt-led Arizona Diamondbacks would want Daniel Vogelback, or, sorry, uh, <laughs> Danny Valencia, uh, it's, it's, important, it's important to note that uh, Valencia is crushing left-handed pitching. Arizona ranks dead last in the, in the National League in... WRC plus against left-handed pitching, they really struggle against it. Valencia can play third, he can play a corner outfield slot, and he's a really good guy to have on the bench of a National League team, where they need versatility and they need power off their bench. Off their bench, so maybe maybe Sharpie's a little optimistic, but I do think that's the type of deal that they can find with a National League team. Uh, finally, we'll just wrap this up real fast. I had a little bonus fun trade. If the bonus Mar- deal, <laughs> if the Mariners decided to go hog wild. And uh, they decided to trade one of their controllable assets here. So, Riley, we'll start with you. I have this bonus deal of Kyle Seeger to the Atlanta Braves for your choice of Colby Allard, Mike Soroka, or Sean Newcomb. All three are uh, starting pitchers who are close to big league ready. In Newcomb's case, he's in the big leagues. Plus left-handed pitcher Joey Wentz and third baseman Rio Ruiz. Riley, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'd take any of those three guys, and I think that would be a good matchup to trade with just because Atlanta, I think, could be open to trading one of them just because they have this abundance. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of... I almost am leading t- leaning towards um, Mike Soroka. Just... He doesn't have... Like super overpower, super overpowering fastball, but from his scattering report, it has a lot of sink to it, so he gets a lot of ground outs, and it, it just seemed kind of interesting to me about he just kind of has he has good stuff, and like kind of to go back to what we were saying with Felix, how he just kind of needs to be able to be more of a pitcher and just kind of work with what he has. Mike Soroka kind of is that with where he is in his career. Obviously, he still needs to get be developed and grow. He's only 19 years old. Um, in AA, he's 9-5 with a 2.55 ERA, 73, 73 strikeouts, 21 walks in 16 games. So there's a lot there to work with. And, I mean, you can't go wrong with either of the other two in Allard or Newcomb. But I would personally go with Soroka just because of the stuff he has. And I think you don't necessarily need a ground-out guy in Safeco. But why not? Just yeah, yeah. why not? Exactly. Yeah, uh, just real fast before we get to Will, everything you said about Soroka, you could basically say about Allard. They're both young. They're both in Double A. They're both putting up great numbers. They both don't have overpowering. They don't have overpowering fastballs, but they know how to pitch and they have really good stuff. So uh, Will, the only thing that kept me from Allard was just kind of the back thing, right? And right. given the Mariners struggle yeah, I, with injuries right the two now, trainers aren't the greatest. Uh, I just. If you're going to hurt someone, don't grab someone that's had injuries. Right. Uh, yeah, I I think I concur on Mike Soroka. He um, really does seem like a salad. And um, you're saying plus Joey Wentz and Rio Ruiz. You know, Ruiz seems kind of like the third wheel in that deal. But, you know, Joey Wentz, you know, as only a full A, you know, kind of guy. 86 strikeouts, 23 walks, you know, 16 games started, 2.87 ERA. Like, those are some numbers. And, you know, if the Mariners, you know, really are going to trade Kyle Seager, which, you know, I could totally see them doing and, you know, figuring out the best way to work that, um, you know, might as well go and get some pitching depth and towards, you know, building that form up and just keep working. Um, We don't have a lot to go from there, so let's – Let's go for it. <laughs> right. uh, it's it, real fast. It's worth noting Allard and Soroka, if they were to enter the Mariners farm system in our crazy hypothetical world, I think they would probably both be number two in the farm, uh, just behind Kyle Lewis. So that would be a major upgrade. And even Newcomb, who's got some major league experience, he probably slides in at three or four. So uh, just just something to keep in mind. Rio Ruiz, I threw in just because he plays third base, and the Mariners don't have a third baseman if they trade Seager. So yeah. Uh, anyways, that's that's those are my five deals. It sounded like you guys had three buys, two sells, and then 
you both like the Seager deal, even though we all know it's not going to happen. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're not going to trade Seager. Um, worth worth noting that um, uh, in a totally unrelated yet semi-related chain of thought, uh, worth noting Rob Manfred's going to announce the next three All-Star games um, sooner or later, and there's talk that Seattle could be one of them. Um, a couple of tweets came out out of, you know, Mariners um, cover guys that were saying that Seattle seemed to make a pretty hard push for one of those spots, and it would be nice to get the All-Star game back at Safeco, um, you know, really quality stadium like Safeco uh, for the first time since 2001. Be sweet. Yeah, if yeah, that yeah. happened, the first thing I would do is try and get home run derby tickets. Yeah, for real. <laughs> After watching last night, let's go. Yeah, I'll go sit up by the S oh. and Safeco and catch all those balls that would leave the ballpark. Yeah, exactly. You don't even need to get a ticket. Just yeah, stand outside. Right. Just stand on the Occidental or whatever it is and just have your glove ready to go. Bring like a fishing yeah. net. Just, you know, out there. Just, there we go. Here we go. We'll just rain them all back in. There you go. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Mariners, guys. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Well, I think yep. that about wraps this up. Any other closing thoughts before we end it? Uh, you know, uh, Vieira. I think, R- Riley, aren't you a huge Vieira guy? Uh, that was Alex. I'm the big Vieira guy. Okay. He, looked, he oh. looked pretty solid in his uh, Futures game, but uh, also just kind of a quick, if you guys have any like trade ideas for when we do our buying segment, you know, just feel free to shoot them to us uh, on Twitter or, you know, leave a comment or Facebook, whatever. If you have any ideas you want us to discuss, go ahead and throw those out there. Um, yeah. You know, it, it'd be we'll fun to about. hear from a few a, a few fans about, you know, possible trade ideas, even if they're stupid. Like, you think the Mariners can get Bryce Harper for, you know, Kyle Lewis. If you want to be that stupid about it, go <laughs> ahead. We'll, we'll mock you, and then uh, we'll thank you for the question. So, yeah, if you guys have any ideas, just shoot them our way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Concur, and um, yeah, please give us give us ideas, and we'll we'll do it. Um, so yeah, so that concludes podcast number twelve, and we'll be back. You know, it should be in a week or so, um, and we'll try and get a buying segment before the trade deadline, and hopefully, in the next podcast, we'll be talking about how great the Mariners have done, and good stuff is happening, and we're not actually gonna have to sell our guys, and. 2017 playoffs are here you know let's do this so yeah yeah um colby riley thank you guys for you know being here and we'll get back together another time go mariners yeah go mariners